Hi, I'm S. Kate, and welcome to the Weird Nerd Cafe, brought to you by the Right Hive Podcast Network. Listen in as our resident professional editors and a guest author discuss the intricacies of writing craft. For our inaugural season, we'll be focusing on beginnings. You can get early access to all the podcast episodes and a whole bunch of other exclusive perks by signing up to our Patreon. All of our Patreon proceeds go towards making great programming and towards our sponsored artist fund, where we support a writer in need through their journey to becoming a published author. Our resident editors have tons of professional experience in the writing world, from big five publishing houses to small press and hybrid publishing. Hi, I'm Justine Manzano. I'm a YA author and a lover of stories dedicated to helping writers hone their craft. I've worked as an acquisitions editor, content editor, and line editor at small publishing companies, and I love geeking out over writing. I'm Hannah Cates, and I'm a professional editor and ghostwriter with over 10 years of experience in various publishing fields. Since ending my brief career as a pirate hunter, I've devoted myself to my craft, helping my clients bring their stories to life. Our remarkable editors love working with authors to improve their skill and are extraordinarily generous with their time and expertise. Don't forget to check them out in our Word Nerd Cafe on the Right Hive Discord. So we've been spending a lot of time talking about prologues and the pros and cons to prologues. So for those who have been listening along and are like, shoot, I got to cut my prologue. <laughs> what what tips and tricks do you guys have for, for those people? I have a story. <laughs> so, never Say Never used to have a prologue. No. Yep. And for a brief explanation, so that people are on our page when I'm explaining it, Never Say Never is a book about a girl who doesn't believe in love and her encounters with Aphrodite on Earth. And I originally had a prologue from Aphrodite's point of view. I showed her getting thrown out of Mount Olympus by Zeus, and I swore this was necessary to the plot, really thought it was, and I kept, I queried it quite a bit that way. And working with an editor, they told me to that it was the prologue that was that was causing the trouble. And they didn't feel like it was needed. So then I tried something else. I took the text of the the prologue and chose the most important bits. And then I sprinkled them throughout the manuscript as opening quotes for each chapter because my main my main character becomes a writer throughout the course of the story or finds a love for writing. And so I made it those moments, a book by Bryn, the main character, and had them like his little epigraphs in the beginning of every chapter. And I thought that was fun, but I was looking at him and I realized that I was really trying really hard to, to find things that were important enough to put in those little opening bits. And for me, if you're stretching too hard, then it's probably a problem um, because I, I've said that I was actually talking to someone yesterday about POV. And I said that I was, I was like, I was at one point I have a dual POV book and I was struggling to find something to say from one of the characters. Cause I had decided that I was going character one, character two, character one, character two, character one, character two throughout the whole book, chapter by chapter. And at one point I hit, character one, and I had nothing to say. 
And I was trying really hard to write a chapter there. And eventually I was just like, this chapter is pointless. And we're just going to do two character twos in a row because <laughs> it just worked better that way. And in that same way, I felt like I was stretching to even make the, the little epigraph thing that I had planned work and quickly realized that that wasn't, there wasn't enough to say. A lot of what was told ended up being told by Aphrodite to Bryn throughout the course of the story. And being there for it made make you more sympathetic to the character, which is what I was trying to do because my antagonist in Never Say Never is not really an antagonist. She's sort of like a middle of the road antagonist. Um, she's, she's definitely, well, she's an antagonist. She's not a villain is I guess what I'm trying to say. So I wanted her to be, I wanted there to be some understanding and acceptance of her as well. But in the end, I looked at all the quotes that I had pulled and found the most important bits and just made Aphrodite tell them throughout the story. Little bits and bobs of things that she, that she would work into conversation as she was telling the characters. And it worked way better that way. And before I knew it, I think I only took like two or three lines that weren't already in the story from that prologue and put it in somewhere. So I was able to narrow it down and yeah, that's, and, and that worked finally. But yeah, there was a whole thing, a whole process to get to the point that I kind of already could have started at because most of it was already in the rest of the book. I just thought there should be a prologue because I thought we should see Aphrodite and separately before this whole thing. And, and it didn't fly. I don't know if that provides any guidance, but it's just story time. <laughs> I no, I love that because first of all, you're an experienced writer, you know your stuff and you still did this. And you tried and you tried and you tried to see what would work because I mean there's if frankly, if there was a magic formula like <laughs> we'd we we yeah. all <laughs> it's great. No, I think it helps to have two pragmatic examples of people who have been there and who have done that. And, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a problem. It's a stepping stone. And I swore, I'm, I'm telling you, I, when I first started this, and I'm not saying everyone will when they're going into this, but when I started this, I swore I needed that prologue. I was going to die with that prologue. I didn't care what anyone thought. And then the more I worked on it, the more I realized that it I also, I'm also, I also tend to be really stubborn about traces in my stories that I need to no like, way. I need time. <laughs> Has that come across? <laughs> I wish you could see my shocked face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I, never I, have pegged you as stubborn. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I'm getting razzed here, Paulette. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they are razzing you in, in the best way because they're <laughs> friends and they know you. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I do. I do tend to be stubborn. Sometimes I just need a little time to work through it in my own brain to be able to go, okay, I don't actually need this. And I've just fallen in love with this part. And really, I just kind of love writing from Aphrodite's voice and didn't get to do that. And that made me sad was really the crux of why it was there and why I didn't want to cut it. But yeah, so it, it, it was, it took time and it took work for me to realize that it wasn't necessary. And sometimes you just, 
have to re- rework things and and figure out. I guess if I wanted to give construct- constructive advice from that story, look at why that prologue means so much to you and why you feel it should be there. And then consider if it is possible, and it may not be, how else you can portray that thing that you love, that that bit that you want to keep. And if there is another way to hold on to it without the prologue, do it that way if you can, if you want to. Just because if you feel like it must be cut, then that's how you you break it down for yourself. You go, what is it about this that made me want it here? And how can I take it and work it through the rest of the story in a way that works? Yeah, it's the working it through the rest of the story. I think that there's no complete burial of your prologue. You can always like go through and you can take elements of your prologue and add them to your story. And also it might be the seed for a sequel. There's always that possibility as well. Um, like if you really love a character's voice, like you love Aphrodite's and never say never, maybe she might get a sequel someday. So it's things like that when you take a step back and, and we all have darlings that sometimes we have to kill. And my big thing with what I write is frame narratives. Sometimes I love diaries and letters and things like that. And they can kind of act like prologues a little bit if they're not necessary for the plot. And so I have to step back sometimes and really ask myself, hmm, do I really need this letter? Do I really need this diary entry? Or is this just atmosphere that I'm building? And I love atmosphere, but sometimes atmosphere can really slow down the pacing. And I think, you know, with prologues, when you look at them, like, is it, is it slowing down the pacing um, to have that prologue there? But are there elements that you can use elsewhere and even in another story that will, will suit your story? And so when you're having to look at cutting, whether that's on the advice of your editor or on your own gut feeling that maybe this prologue isn't working, I think it's really helpful to maybe question yourself why you you thought you needed the prologue and the ways that you can utilize, just like you said, Justine, some of those elements throughout. (laughs) I'm so glad that you brought up uh, killing your darlings. Because even though it's a phrase we all know, and it's a phrase that we've all, we just, I hate it. I hate it. People say that. And I'm like, like, go shut up and eat a marshmallow. Like, go sit on a cactus. I don't want to hear your opinions. You tell me to go kill my darlings. They're darling for a reason. Even, even now, like my heckles are just bristling. It's, it's hard. We all know it. We all hear it. I'm all about mindset set shifts, which, you know, gets a little, little self-manipulative, maybe. Breaking down, like, what do I want versus what do I need? So, Justine, we're talking about all the, all the parts with Aphrodite, which I didn't know about your book. And I'm just, I love learning more about it in your process because I, I enjoyed your book so much. And this just gives me like a, a new depth of understanding. Going through and saying, hey, you know, maybe if, if I lose this prologue, what is being communicated in this prologue? Okay, so Aphrodite is a goddess. Check. Aphrodite's been up to some sketchy stuff. Check. Aphrodite is getting punished for some sketchy stuff. Check. And, and I do this anyway when I'm plotting my book. I go through every chapter and say, hey, what is said here? What do the characters learn? What is the significance of the scene that's happening? What is it teaching? How is it furthering the plot? How is it furthering the character arcs? Because maybe or maybe not, you might have to cut a chapter, 
You might have to put it somewhere else. You might have to Frankenstein it. So I think it behooves you beforehand not to look at the chapter as a thing that, as its own entity, but a culmination of parts, right? This is what I, these are the individual parts that are addressed in this chapter. And maybe, hey, later in the story, we need to know who Aphrodite is. We need to know why she's on earth. We need to know why she's gotten in trouble. Those are things that we need. What are things that we want? Maybe we kind of want to, you know, communicate the atmosphere, like you were talking about Paulette. Sometimes we want to communicate a certain attitudes or really round out a character. And just because something is a want doesn't mean that it's not worthy, if that makes sense. Wants are definitely, they have their own merit just because it's not essential at that time to the plot or the character arc doesn't mean that it has no value in your story, maybe somewhere else. So I would say if you are dismantling your prologue and if you ever have to kill a darling, think of, don't think of it as a straight out murder. Think of it as a Frankensteining. Where can I put these parts? What parts are valuable? What do I want to save and recuperate and repurpose? Because then it's kind of, I don't know, I feel kind of sneaky. Like I'm getting back at people by just sneaking those elements in anyway. It's an aspect of sick revenge, I suppose. That came off so much darker than... <laughs> I'm not going to kill it. I'm just going to cut it up into little pieces and sprinkle it over the rest of it. I'm just going to telltale heart this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> But I love it. <laughs> it's 100% correct. It's just so, the imagery was so dark. I love it. I had to point it out. <laughs> I write children's fiction. Um. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just dying laughing over here. Yeah. I was like, I think I killed the conversation. I'm sorry. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> Hannah's just brooding in the corner. <laughs> Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone have, want to uh, follow up on the zombie darlings? Or <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, guys. But now no, I really it was brilliant. Don't I just? It was so very you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's like we've been reading Discworld to the kids, right? So I have lots of Discworld in my head, but it's like Discworld's Igor's. <laughs> I have my grandpa's hands, like literally. <laughs> <laughs> have your father's eyes I'm sure I mean just seeing when you're rereading I don't know how much you reread your own work but when you're rereading like I mean do you see the remnants of what you had and can you kind of like take some satisfaction with that yeah I mean I definitely remember what lines went in because of because of that that you know killing of my prologue a lot of the conversation when Aphrodite's drunk in the cabin um, <laughs> that a lot of that conversation came from came from that from parts where where she explains like how she's been wronged whether or not you agree with her um those those portions largely came from from having to dismantle that prologue and having to explain why she's there and what she did to get there and there were parts that I that ended up becoming a thing because of that that weren't actually in the prologue like there's a large section where she talks about looking people thinking she was a witch 
when she was cast down to to earth as a mortal and because she still has some power and she keep she kept getting herself into trouble because like she wasn't aging or she would try to fix something and she would use magic and and things would go wrong and she talks about being someone trying to burn her at the stake and that moment was there just totally born of the fact that I wanted to show more of what she'd been through up until this point because I cut that prologue. So I feel like there's a lot of really good stuff in there that came from that, even if it wasn't initially in the prologue. As And, and it actually leads to a further point that I often have when I'm talking to my clients, which is, if I tell you to change something, don't, uh, and I give you a suggestion of how, please, or if I say something, this isn't working for me. That doesn't mean you have to cut it. Make it work. If I say it's not working because blah, 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 like say, because I want to know more and I don't feel like this explains deeply enough what you're trying to say or something like that. Well, maybe the solution isn't to fix it and make it deeper. Maybe it's to cut it and change where you put it or make make the explanation chopped off there, but it, it comes up somewhere else. Like, just because I say when I'm working on an edit, this need this maybe needs to change and consider that it's not selling this aspect that you want it to sell, that doesn't mean you have to directly fix the thing I said. There might be ways to shore it up with other parts, other things that you might do to make it work. If you can find a way that works better than what I suggested, go for it. Do the thing. It's your story. And that's something I feel like people get like nervous about when you're working with an editor. They will they will go, okay, well, she said this, so I have to do this. And it's like, no, if you don't think that works or you think that maybe you can find a different way of fixing it, do it your way. I'll let you know in rereads or your beta readers will let you know if you're still doing the thing, but at least you tried to put your own stamp on that change. And it kind of makes you feel better, I think, when you're going through it and you go, yeah, no, I don't want to change it that way. I'll change it this way. There's a little bit of that rebel there. Well, you know the change my mind meme? Mm -hmm. That's how I try to approach it. Like, hey, I've observed this. Let's open a discussion. This isn't a hard and fast. You have to do this and you have to do that. Obviously, if I had all the answers, I'd be much richer. I don't. <laughs> but let's talk about it. This is what I observe. This is kind of what's going on. Let's start a discussion. Yeah, because I mean, even, you know, as editors or even as, as more seasoned authors, we don't know everything that goes into making the perfect story. And every story is different. And because of that... There are going to be, you know, there are going to be suggestions that I'm going to make on a story that you can find better ways to do it. Or there are going to be things that I'm going to write that you're going to go, you know, I, I wouldn't have done it. And that's cool. Like, we're all coming from different experiences and different interests and ways of telling a story. And it it's okay. There are some things that are, like we said, not rules, they're guidelines. and you. Find a way to make it work for you. Yeah, and I think working with your editor, when you have that rapport, it's really wonderful. And I love my editor, um, Jody Warshaw, and she is really excellent at asking me, like, well, what do you think? And most of her 
edits on Parting the Veil when we first started working together, they were in the form of questions. They weren't just like, I think you need to do this. What would you think about this? And so you have that rapport and that discourse and ultimately having an editor who sees your vision and wants to work with your vision is one of the best things when you find that connection with an editor. Uh, Going back to prologues and figuring out what you want to cut and what you want to keep. When I first started working on my current work in progress, I had this long drawn out backstory as my prologue. And it was very folkloric in nature, almost like a fairy tale. It was kind of Blair Witch-esque. And I still wanted to keep that lore in there, but I wanted to change it a little bit. So what I did, instead of having that whole story laid out, is I went back and I had my main character's grandmother relay some of this story in a conversation that she had with my main character. And so that was how I was able to keep some of that content, but just restructure it in a way that didn't disrupt the flow of the story as much. So there's just so many approaches that you can take whenever you decide to condense your prologue or change it or take it out altogether. And it's really fun to just kind of play. And I think, you know, I I am mostly a linear writer, but I do tend to write scenes out of order sometimes, especially if I'm feeling inspired. And you just never really know where something might fit in to a story until you kind of get done and you can restructure and move some puzzle pieces around. And that's one of the fun things about being a writer. And there are no hard and fast rules. And it, it can be really great when you allow yourself room to play like that. I think it's really important to remember, though, that we are all not though, that sounds like I'm disagreeing. I am agreeing. I think it's really important to remember that we are all, you know, I couldn't write parting the veil. And, and, you know, you probably wouldn't write never say never. And that's because we all approach storytelling differently. And we all have different senses of what we want to put on the page, and our own artistic ideas that go through that. And so no story is going to be 100% according to some cookie cutter outline of how a, a book should be. We're all bringing our own stuff to it. And usually to great effect. And, you know, that's what makes writing so wonderful is that there are, you know, so many ways to not skin a cat, but don't skin a cat. Now I'm going dark. (laughs) There, There are just a lot of different ways for you to do everything that you want to do in a story. It's just about finding the way that works best for you. And I love, by the way, the idea that Paulette discussed about putting it into dialogue and finding a way, because usually there is one character in your story that just is not in the know. And so they're going to need to discover these things in one way or another. So make that part of the discovery, those parts that you're, you know, chopping away from your prologue, make those part of their discovery process uh, when they're trying to understand what's happening. Is That's a great method to maintain a lot of that. I really do like that idea. And then you can have fallout, which is delicious. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, your your example with, with never say never. I was so glad that you that you cut your prologue because that scene was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> it was one of my favorite scenes. It was wonderful, Justine. Really? And I think it 
it was the best way it could have happened, if that makes sense. I, I think it ended up being, I, I can't, I just can't imagine it any other way. Just seeing her at that moment, it, it was just like the floodgates open. You had built up so much tension around it and so much, you know, you, you just love to hate her. But then all of a sudden there's all this I, I pity. We're starting to relate to her. Like, what is this? I feel sick to my stomach and I love it. <laughs> well, yeah, you definitely loved it because you love Val. That was your favorite. <laughs> that was my favorite too, Justine. I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Paula. Because I this yes. is where I get as this is where I get picked on. I feel like we're learning too much about me in this episode. We need to. <laughs> I like a lot of like antiheroes and villainous, or not villainous, but you know, just those characters that are antagonistic, though, because I think that they're so interesting. Well, she I love characters that get in their own way. She's wonderfully written because she's got, you know, obviously like very flawed. And at that moment, I don't think her story would have had the same impact had it been as a prologue. Because I would have gone in with that sort of sympathy and understanding of her. Right. That was part of why I, I, what ended up ultimately making me cut it was that I felt like she was more effective without that, without the hints of, of what she was going through and that. The, that empathy she's just much more fun antagonist to have for the first part you know the first two-thirds of the book before that moment where you learn more about her yeah exactly but thank you guys <laughs> yeah it's kind of like that regina george character just a little bit like just enough of that you know yes regina george and glinda from wicked yes oh. yes <laughs> so popular from Wicked, it was my theme song for Val. <laughs> oh, that's Throughout great. The whole writing of the story. <laughs> no, it, you, you use the word effective. And I think that is, it's not just about, because, and I, this is why you have to have multiple drafts, right? The first draft is like, I just need to get this on paper. Now, when you're revising and when you're rewriting, hey, I, I have it all, but what is the most effective way to do this? Because we wouldn't have related so much to our main character had we immediately related to Val, right? Because there's a lot of tension between them. And there's a lot of very well-deserved, I want to say hatred, but um, disagreement, I guess. Because Val is manipulative. And if I had read her side of the story first... I wouldn't have related as much later, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. You can have your cake and eat it too. You just have to do it in the right order. <laughs> exactly. And that's it, folks. Thank you for joining us. While the Word Nerd Cafe is free for everyone to listen to, Patreon supporters get early access, as well as a whole bunch of other perks like interviews, free books, and more. So if you've enjoyed what we've offered so far and want to help a writer in need, please sign up for our Patreon. And if you're already a Patreon supporter of WriteHive, thank you so much for helping us provide free writing resources to all. And don't forget to tell your friends to sign up too. You can also find more information about our amazing free digital conference by going to our website, writehive.org, or stalking us on Twitter at write underscore hive.